They said getting started was the hardest part, but no one told you how hard it is to scale a custom service business. It's time for your team to step up, but your clients want you. Discover how to scale to seven figures and beyond by freeing up time and getting your team to run whole parts of the company so you can focus on scaling profits. This is the Hands-Off CEO with Mandy Ellefson. Hi, this is Mandy Ellefson with the Hands-Off CEO podcast. I am here with my friend, Natalie Sisson. Natalie has written two books. Her most recent book is The Freedom Plan and The Suitcase Entrepreneur. I read that one a number of years ago. I was really inspired by it. Her new book, Freedom Plan, amazing. I've just been reading it. I am thrilled to have Natalie here with us today. Welcome to the show, Natalie. I am so excited to be here and I'm so excited you have the show. (laughs) (laughs) I am too. And I always wanted to have you on it. Actually, you were one of the first people I reached out to because like I was saying, The Suitcase Entrepreneur was such an inspiring book for me. I read it um, after I was done with my web design business and I was transitioning over to this business. And it was just really inspiring because I felt like we had such aligned goals and it really helped me see that the kind of business that I wanted to create was possible. Thank you so much. I love hearing that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Natalie, I want to just kind of share a little bit about you and you were in the corporate jungle for a while. Did very successfully in that. Didn't he just like one day just walk out? I mean, I know you gave notice and everything, but wasn't it in London? It was literally, yes. I just got a raise and a promotion and I woke up one too many days in a row, probably about 14 days in a row, not feeling on top of the world, actually feeling pretty miserable and a little bit depressed. And I've never had that in my life. And so I went into work one day and I said, that's it. I'm out of here. Um, and they're like, Oh, and I was like, yeah, well I just, life is short, right? I don't have the time to be in a job that makes me miserable where I can't make an impact on the world. Like I wanted. Mm -hmm. So what did you do? I didn't have a backup plan at all. A lot of people talk about that. I think probably in reflection, it might've been wise, but I booked a one-way ticket to Vancouver, Canada. I packed up all my stuff into a suitcase. I flew there with the hopes and dreams that new country, new life, new career, new business, which is ultimately what I made happen. But it wasn't super easy, but it was certainly one way to light a fire under your ass and make things happen. Okay. So then you lit a fire under your ass and made things happen. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I went to a lot of networking events, which Vancouver has a lot of. And whilst at one of those, I actually met my business partner, Daryl Hatton, and he had an idea for a tech company that he wanted to co-found. And I literally said to him, I'm a homeless, unemployed bum, and I'm really great at marketing and business development. He said, great, let's (laughs) Let's start this business together. Uh, And we did for about 18 months. We ran that business. We took on developers. We got investment from outside, obviously investors. I was actually one of the first times I've done that. I learned all about business plans, hiring developers, working on a team, running on the smell of an oily rag, literally burning through all our cash that we didn't really have to build a Facebook app that allowed you to take fundraising payments. And I still credit that 18 months to being like the biggest education that one could have from going from this traditional corporate world to complete high-flying, run by the city of your pants, work crazy hours, drink lots of coffee, never quite know what you're doing next, whether you're even going to be in business. Um, But 18 months was just amazing. And as you know, that's when I started my blog, because when you go through such a life-changing experience, I just wanted to document it. I'm a huge fan of documenting and also sharing 
my journey. So I started a blog called Woman's World. It was meant to inspire other women entrepreneurs. It also gave me a platform to interview amazing women entrepreneurs because the one thing I found in this tech role and in this tech company is it was massively dominated by men. So I really thank all those experiences to leading to me then essentially leaving my business partner on great terms after 18 months when he suggested that the blog was kind of like a thing that I was doing amazingly well and maybe I should consider it as a business. So I went, great idea. That's what I'm going to do. <laughs> and then that was the birth of the suitcase entrepreneur. Exactly. But it does make me laugh because I think it was April 2010 and I, you know, I finished up as the co-founder. We left on great terms, as I said. And then I went, holy heck, all I have is a blog. I have no email list. I have no products or services for sale. And I literally have probably about two months of rent saved up and nothing more. And it was a really just a scary moment to be. And I just hustled like crazy. I think I took on a couple of consulting clients. I'd never done consulting before. I got down to $17, which was not fun. And I used to read all those stories of people getting down to, you know, like I had $20 in my bank account. I was like, oh, really? Did you really? And then there I was with 17 and I was like, oh God, this sucks. Like it, it feels so horrible after always having earned throughout my life. So there's nothing better than no backup plan, no safety net, no savings to make you actually hustle and take on clients and get your business up and running. Highly recommend it if you want the I'm all in <laughs> to lose model. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Well, <laughs> that's a great inspiring story of there's no experience quite like really hitting rock bottom and really just building yourself up from that point. And I think that propels you forward more than any other experience can. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's great that you had that experience. I'm sure it wasn't exactly fun during it, but I think we've all been there <laughs> on some <laughs> yeah. level, right? Yeah. So then you now have some work that you're doing around, I know you do research around freedom and around how that can be, I guess, not just utilized in business because you wrote a whole book on how to have a freedom-based business. Yes. But what are you finding that's different about businesses that are based where their sole reason for being in business is to have freedom. What's different about them? A hundred percent mindset and vision. In my mind, that's what it is. So they have a very clear vision for how they want their business to support their ideal lifestyle, not how they want their business to take over their life. And then from a mindset point of view, I think they're very much out of the traditional arena of how things should be run and how they should work. So I know before we started recording this interview, you were talking about sort of this one to two day a week business idea of. And just recently, I actually put it in my Facebook group. I said, what would it take for you to have a one day a week business? What would you absolutely need to focus on if tomorrow you only had one day every week to run your business? You would absolutely focus on the highest leverage revenue generating activities. You would cut out all the excess stuff that you do because it seems cool or you want to work on it. You would get ruthless about delegating you use your systems appropriately and you really focus in on the most important factors that drive your business forward. And I think that is how to me, people who have a freedom business do think, or at least should think or have started working towards, which is really exciting because it sets you apart. Yeah, that does. And that actually comes into the question I was going to ask you. It comes from your book around creating boundaries. And I was, I was actually reading this. I'm going to tell you, you know what I did earlier today. I was, I was reading this. I was reviewing your book. I have read Parts of it, I'm still working through it, but there was a part about creating boundaries and kind of having <laughs> no is your default. 
And as I was reading that, I looked around my office and I saw some papers and I realized, I'm like, you know what? I haven't been saying no to this. And like, I took 10 minutes and I said, no, no more of these messy papers around. And I like actually went on this cleaning spree of my office. So thanks for that. I have a cleaner office now. Thanks I for love that. it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a pretty fast action taker, but like, I think that's this kind of mindset that can create when you have a different mindset around, you know, what's acceptable in your business and what's not and what you're going to say no to. Absolutely. (laughs) So one of the things I wanted to ask you about is how can setting better boundaries help you be more profitable in your business? Because you ultimately use your very precious hours in life to focus on the things that you do best rather than anything else. And I think one of the biggest things that I've realized for myself over the years is you want to give your energy to your red carpet clients and to your customers, not to everybody else's agenda. And I've read that and well, I haven't read it in that respect, but I've heard successful people say it in some different shape or form that the more you align what you're doing with the things that you really need to focus on and you don't let other people's distractions and needs kind of come into your life, the more you're actually going to be able to help others succeed in a big way. And a really good example of this is when I started out in the first couple of years, well, especially the first 18 months, I would go to coffee with anybody and everybody who said, Natalie, can I have you know a coffee with you? I just want to pick your brain. It's so funny now because when I hear somebody say, pick your brain, I run in the other direction or <laughs> I tell them why they need to rephrase that immediately because that to me says, I want to get free coaching from you and I don't actually value your time. And what I used to do was just go to all these coffees with the people. I'd give them all this knowledge and wisdom. I'd help them on their business and they'd go, okay, great, thanks. And sometimes I'd even be buying the coffee. And I was like, wait a minute, I have clients and coaching clients who are paying me for this. Um, Yet that person just got it for free. That doesn't feel fair. It would also leave me really drained after a while. And I realized that I was putting all my energy into other people's agendas rather than the very people who are willing to come and, and pay me for my expertise. So that for me is absolutely why you need boundaries so that you can do the work you love for the people who love you and whose lives you want to make an impact in. And you can put your energy towards the right efforts that are going to serve on a greater scale. I love that. That's great. And yeah, you know, when there's that value exchange that's off, it can be a real drain, like you were saying. And one of the things I heard, I can't remember where exactly I heard this from, but if you want to see what your values truly are, what you truly value, look at your calendar and look at your bank account. Like what are you spending your money on and what are you spending your time on? That's truly what's your value. Yeah, I love it. Very clever. I think I value freedom way too much because that's usually in my calendar. Time out here, training for this here, going on nature walks here, massages, free time. Yeah. (laughs) Well, and that's another point to bring out then because you have that in your calendar. You're actually building in the freedom into your calendar, being proactive about it instead of just like, oh, do I have time for it? And just see. If you just approach it like that, there's never going to be enough time. Exactly. Yeah. You have to be very intentional about how you want to spend your time. Otherwise, time will just get eaten up. Or as I said, you'll put it towards other people's projects and agendas. Yeah. Love it. Totally agree. The thing that I find amazing is how many people don't actually have a concept of what they want to spend their time on. So you and I both really help people reclaim their time, right? Generate more revenue, reclaim their time, have more streamlined businesses. But when I get to that point with clients and they have more time in their week, 
they actually go and work more initially. Like I'm like, what are you doing with that free time that we've just, you know, got for you? And they're like, oh, I've just actually been working more. And I'm like, ah, because they don't have this vision around how do you want to spend your free time to be more creative, to learn more, to grow more. And it's almost like this default that we feel we have to just work all the time rather than actually work on ourselves work on our mindset, work on our creativity, recharge, get different perspectives, volunteer, all these other experiences that create a much more rich and meaningful life and will actually boost your business. Mm, Yeah, definitely. And I think that comes back to boundaries where when you free up that time, I found the exact same thing where clients just go back and work more. So And I think this is where it's so important to put boundaries around your time. Say, you know what? I'm done at three. I'm done at five. Whatever that time is that you choose that you're going to be done at so that you truly can work in the rest of your life. Absolutely. Yep. (laughs) Because if you don't grow, then nobody gets to grow with you, right? You get to this place of sort of stagnation as well. And I've definitely done that in the past where I'm so busy working on other people's stuff for them and helping them out that I'm not actually growing and upskilling just for moments, right? And it really impacts you. Yeah, that's a really good point. It's a good point about how good it is for your clients when you're actually taking time to deliberately make yourself better and grow so that they can then grow. Yeah, absolutely. And you have to bake that into your calendar every single week. Yeah. So I want to talk about, you know, what needs to be in place. So in order to have this freedom-based business, so what do you think are the most important processes to have in place in order to have a freedom-based business? So I do think the first off is, I love that you talk about the power hour because having a essential morning routine, and I call it the energizing morning routine, is critical to starting off the day in the right way. And we're all guilty of not doing it, but if you're doing it at least 80% of the time, it's gonna transform your life. Because that hour that you give for yourself, or even if it's a half an hour in the morning, where you are freeing your mind, whether you're meditating, journaling, yoga, and then what I go straight into is actually 15 minutes of planning for the day is absolutely critical to working on the right stuff. And I don't know how many people just let the morning be dictated to them by their phone, by social media, by urgent, by emails, etc. And we've all been there and we've all done it, but I know the difference of when I get up and intentionally start my morning the right way and move into planning And it's incredible because then I'm very clear on how I'm spending the day ahead. It excites me. It juices me. I've got laser-like focus. And then I focus on the three most important actions of the day. And my partner, Josh, and I have actually created, and I don't know if I've told you about it yet, Mandy, it's in the book a little, this system for life planning called Life Pilot. It is a simple spreadsheet tool. So we geek out on spreadsheets. We are going to be turning it into an app because not everybody likes spreadsheets, but essentially it comes down to the power of three, three daily intentions or goals or actions that we're going to take, three weekly goals or intentions, three monthly goals, three quarterly, three yearly. And it's incredible how when you get clear on that bigger picture and filter it down into the daily, it just makes everything else like fall away because you're like, no, if my weekly goal is X, then on one of these days this week, I have to have one of these actions to make that come true. And it's just focused us and transformed our lives immensely. And every Sunday we do a weekly check-in and we look at how we went on the week. Did we hit, miss or progress those tasks? How do we feel about what we did? Where were we not showing up? Just really, really interesting questions. And it's that accountability and the daily tracking and also reflecting on it that is starting to show us all the little 
things that we were doing that were kind of self-sabotaging. And for sure, it's exercising that discipline muscle. But man, it makes a difference when you nail it every single day and every single week and every single month. It's been really transformative. And I think it doesn't necessarily mean you need life pilot, but if you find the system that works for you, and I know you do an amazing job of this for your clients, it puts everything else into place. And then you have to exercise that discipline muscle because we all know that discipline leads to freedom. And that's the mantra that I have known for years now. And it is so true. I love that. Discipline leads to freedom. Yeah. Well, discipline even equals freedom. A lot of people push back at me on that, but I'm like, well, the more disciplined you are about these things, the more time and freedom you actually have. Think about it. If you have a Saturday and it's completely free and you don't have any plans, doesn't that Saturday usually go really fast? You kind of squander the time. Like it might be lovely. You might sit and read a book for several hours and then suddenly it's like, oh crap, it's 4 p.m. and I haven't actually seen anybody or done anything yet. And it may be lovely and relaxing, but compare that to a day when you say, I've got four hours and in that four hours, I'm going to be super focused and do all these things. And then you have the rest of the day to enjoy is immensely more powerful and useful. And it's because you've been disciplined for a portion of that day that you now have immense freedom. I love that. And if I were just to sum up everything that you just said about, you know, the power hour, we were talking about the energizing routine and the power of three, this all comes back to being intentional about your time and being intentional about what you're planning. Yes. And I think that's really interesting because I completely agree with you on this. And I was actually expecting a different answer from you because from what's the most important process is to have in place to have a freedom-based business. I was thinking maybe you'd say sales or marketing because I know you've run and grown multiple successful companies. You're an amazing marketer. You're an amazing salesperson. I find that it's very interesting that above all of those things that you would actually put being intentional with your time. Yeah, I think it's taken years of experience to realize that is actually one of the true answers to that question. All the other thing, all the systems, all the great team, all the you know sales funnels and marketing, etc., they all come into place. But if you don't know what the heck your goals are and how you're working towards them and where you want to spend your time, most of those things I think really do fall by the wayside. And that's just something that I've noticed throughout my life and with my clients over the past several years and just keep refining and honing in on it. Well, that is some definite nuggets of wisdom right there. So thank you for sharing it. You're welcome. So a lot of the people listening are at this place where they have a successful business, you know, maybe multi-six, multi-seven figure company and it's successful, but it's at the expense of them kind of being stuck in the middle of it. So Uh What advice would you give for these business owners or executives who have successful businesses but really are trapped in them? Because I so get that because we've all been there. I think it's time to step back and look at where you are, the bottleneck in the system. And I know you and I have jammed on this a lot, but we all are the bottleneck in our own business at some point in time. And so I think for people who are experiencing all the success and they need to go to the next level, there's a point at which they need to step back and go, okay, where have I limited the business or where am I becoming a limiting factor? Where am I maybe taking on too much control still, not letting go? Where have I not hired appropriately to have somebody take over this? And where actually do I need to grow personally to be able to allow this to go even further? And those are really hard questions to ask yourself sometimes because I guess that's when you see a lot of these super successful companies. That's often where the CEO has to fire themselves or the board 
if they're at that point, bring in somebody else to run the company that that person started. There's some really interesting books around you know, at which point do you sort of need to leave your business? And a lot of entrepreneurs are starters who grow these incredibly successful businesses, but they're not the person that actually needs to be there to carry it on and turn it into that scalable operation that's going to, you know, go into hundreds of millions of dollars. And that's a, I think that's a hard thing for people who are listening and like, but I love my business and I want to be part of it. It's at which point do you need to let that baby grow up into an adult? And maybe you're not the parent for that anymore and maybe you are so I think it's individual for each person but most of the time I do believe we are the bottleneck of our own company and it's looking at how we can step aside and use systems and processes and team to actually move it forward. I think that's really good advice and another thing I'm thinking about too is that I think for some companies that are you know in the multi-seven figures maybe they're happy with being that and it's really more about Maybe they want to get to 10 million or something like that, but maybe their goal is not to get to 100 million and to keep it kind of a lifestyle level in a way. And one of the things that I see as an opportunity is for the CEO to, you know, step back from running a lot of the company. Maybe what they really need is a COO. They really need that integrator role in their company. And if they have that, they could really stay in the visioning as a visionary in their company and really focus on the things that light them up. Absolutely. Yeah, I really love that. And I think I love seeing people who sort of do go, this is my zone of genius. This is where I'm in entrepreneurial flow. Now it's time to hire in the big guns to like take over some of these things that I've been doing and we get to grow together. Absolutely. And we were just talking about that before, you know, team is so important. I've seen people who have started out very nimble, grown a really big team and then realize that, sure, they're making more revenue, but their profits are less than before. There's more stress, there's more overheads, there's everything. And they've dialed it back into just a couple of key critical members and done equally as well. I recently read the book, The One Person, One Million Dollar Business, which has been fascinating to see. Mm. Um, You know, a lot of them are e-commerce businesses in ways, which is more doable. But I really like that idea of, you know, we're all about scaling, but scale at the appropriate times. And sometimes it's okay to scale back which I've recently done with my team and then it's fine to go ahead and scale forward. But just really looking at the situation you're in because I know everybody is often going for, you know, the seven figures and beyond, but there's something really beautiful about a lifestyle business that at some point you'll get to in your lifestyle, which gives you a really wonderful, profitable, recurring income month on month where you're working 10 to 20 hours a week and you're more than happy with things. So I think it actually does come back to, once again, that intention I mean, what sort of business do you want? What structure do you want it to have? How many hours do you want to be working? How much do you want to be earning? Because there are points in your life when you realize there's other things at play that are just way more important, like quality time, like family time, like relationships, like your personal growth, travel, et cetera, and simply just enjoying and being present in the moment. I love that. And it brings back some advice that my mom gave me some years ago about seasons in your life and Mm -hmm. making choices about what season you are in your life, and to be really deliberate about how you use your time in those different seasons. And uh, actually been such a powerful piece of advice that I think that what you just shared really touches on. Yeah, I really love that. And also with Roger Hamilton's Wealth Dynamics, he talks a lot about the seasons as well. So if you've ever done that and you've done your Wealth Dynamics profile, it definitely talks about times of the year when you're best, like when you are shining, when you should be creating and ideating in many ways and then there's times when you should just be hunkering down actually and sort of processing and reflecting and it 
comes with the seasons of life. And when you think about it, spring and summer are kind of those times when, well, winter, you're doing a lot of the deep research. Maybe you're creating the book, you're the curriculum, the new services and new products, or you're really looking at the processes. And then you go through into spring and you're often launching something or it's a new project and growth. And then summer where it's kind of, it should just be flowing and also you should be taking some time out. And then you go into autumn where you're going back into your next planning and creation season. And it makes sense to me. Like I'm so much more active in spring when it's kind of a bit fresh and the sun's coming out. That's when I want to be sparking new things. And winter is a really great time to hunker down and reflect and consolidate and learn. And yeah, it's less of a pushing time or not that you always be pushing, but it's more of a less of a striving time and more of a reflection and introspection and planning and researching. Hmm. You know, as you're saying that, it's made me think about how I've been a lot more deliberate about the seasons, even of the year, because I was actually thinking seasons in the terms of like a number of years, like I'm in a certain season of my life where my kids are a little bit older now. So I have a little more freedom and to really focus on my professional goals without it hampering family. But when my children were younger, I really wanted to be there more hours present with them. Yeah, I was thinking about the season in that, but I really like what you're sharing there with the seasons with even within the year, because that's something I notice that December, I always tune down a little bit, take off at least two, three weeks in December and work very minimally. And I think that's great that you can actually just look at your year that way and plan it accordingly. And I know I've seen you be planning your marketing calendar out that way too. So I think you're a really great model for that. Thank you, hun. And that said, I do think we also go into yearly cycles. There is something called the seven-year cycle. And if I think about it, I'm coming up to my seven-year cycle. And it's a time for sort of renew and recharging and a refresh. If you think about people who go from school and then into college and then into potentially their first jobs or their first business, and then there's another season in which they change that again and you shift into a new career or a new direction. And I really like thinking about that as well as your seasons within the year. These are all just really interesting ways of looking at your business, understanding your growth, understanding your energy levels and when you feel in flow. I love that. I love that. So what are the biggest mistakes that you're seeing entrepreneurs make when they're trying to build a freedom-based business? Oh, that is such a great question. I think once again, hanging on to everything that they're doing themselves, not being willing to go there and actually take a really long, hard look at what is my business model and is it actually set up to give me more freedom? So a really good example of that is if you're in the services-based business, it's going to be harder to get that to a place of more freedom for you unless you start creating some of those services and putting them into products or into memberships or into recurring revenue streams that don't require as much of you to be active in them. And so most people, I think, when they do say, yeah, yeah, I want more freedom, they don't necessarily look at their business model and see whether it's working for them. Then the second thing I think they don't do is a very good job of looking at what I call the four lists to freedom. And we both have different methodologies for this, but really, you know, what is the work you shouldn't be doing, the stuff you can't do, the stuff you don't enjoy doing, and then the stuff you love and getting really clear about, okay, if I want more freedom in this business, what I need to be delegating? What do I need to be systemizing and streamlining so that I can do more of this? And then I sorry to say the third mistake is what a little bit of what I touched on before is being really clear on what are my goals around how I want to live my life and spend my free time and who do I want to spend it with, etc. So that comes back to the really clear vision of why you're doing what you're doing. So it's great to have a purpose for your business and the impact you want to make and the money you want to make, but then it has to really translate into how is that going to impact my life and other people's lives and 
once again, is this the right business model that's going to serve me to get there? I really like that you pointed on, that you touched on that, how is this going to be impacting my life and how is it going to be impacting other people's lives? Because I think that is a big part of designing a business that is a freedom-based business. Part of my definition of freedom, and maybe it's inaccurate, but is that I want to have the freedom to be able to really impact people's lives in a big way. And I don't know if that you would define it that way. I know you've done a lot of research on freedom, but I think it's a really big aspect to it as far as having that fulfillment. 100%. Yep. 100%. You've got to be happy doing what you're doing. Otherwise, why the heck are you doing it? And maybe I'm getting to that stage in my life where freedom, relationships, connections, etc., are the things that I really crave and want more of. Less of the you know, the fame and the notoriety and the massive amounts of revenue coming in. And I was actually listening to a TED talk the other day where they've done a 75 year study through, I think it was Harvard University. Don't quote me on that. And they had studied people for 75 years of their life. So the person who'd now taken over the project was like the third person from the minute they left that college through to the university, through to where they are now. And there were a variety of people who had gotten married, had been divorced. Some people had obviously died. Some people had been massively depressed and it was incredible. And they worked out that at the end of all those 75 years, because I think it was something like 80% of the people in that study, when they said, what do you want to be? Most of them had said, I want to be famous. And here it was 75 years later. And every single person who was still there, who was actually happy and doing well, had said it was all about relationships, that relationships and community and the people that they had connected with and had in their life were the thing that had given them the most happiness and richness in their life. And that just really struck a chord with me that I was like, we're always chasing all these other things. And at the end of the day, it's the quality of the connections and the relationships you have that are going to lead you feeling as if you've lived a very rich and fulfilling life. And I want to be doing that right now, not when I'm 75, you know, and that's why I think it's super important for me to have a community around me right now and why when I was traveling, I loved that it was online and I'd meet up with people in person. But now that I'm in New Zealand, I'm really putting a lot of effort into people who I can connect with on a daily basis right here in person. I love that. And I can't possibly add to that. So (laughs) what I'd love for you to share your book, Natalie, and how anyone can reach out to you and how they can connect with you. Yeah. I mean, I think we've talked on so many of the concepts in my book right here. So thank you so much for bringing it to life in such a beautiful way. Thefreedomplan.co is where you will find my book. You can actually get the first three chapters for free in digital format there. And it's currently, depending on when this goes out, available for pre-order and it will be in bookstores and everywhere online on the 14th of November. So I'm really thrilled. But essentially it is a three-stage framework for having more freedom in business and life. It starts with your mindset it goes into the business and then it finishes with lifestyle in terms of that's my holistic overview of how one can live a really great life and have a profitable business and actually make an impact. And I'm just really excited about getting it out into the world. It's an amazing endorsement so far. I know you've been reading through it and you're amazing with what you said about it. And I just think it's going to make a real difference. And it's probably the last five years worth of work for me. And it's been two and a half years in the making. So I'm super excited (laughs) that it is out and I would love for people to check it out. Okay. So it's the freedomplan.co. Full name of the book. Yeah. I've been watching you write this book and, you know, (laughs) hearing every step about how you got the publisher reached out to you for this book and how this just came. It's been really exciting to watch it really just come into reality for you. 
It's been such a pleasure having you on, Natalie. I am just very excited for all this content you shared with us today. It's so valuable. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. This has been a blast. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Hands-Off CEO. Don't forget to download your free Scalability Roadmap, a checklist that will help you scale up your custom service business with what you have right now. Go to handsoffceo.com slash roadmap. That's handsoffceo.com slash roadmap.